Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Coming up, we have stories about family celebrations, inheritance, grieving family members, custody agreements, cake, in-laws, another shocker, and getting kicked out the day after graduation. Am I the astronaut for telling my daughter we are only going to celebrate when she has something to celebrate? I will try my best to explain this. My daughter is 20 and dropped out of college. My son is graduating college this year. I was asking him what he wanted to do for graduating. My youngest also just got into the honor society in high school, so we're going to dinner soon. So really, everyone is doing something, and I notice my daughter getting more upset when other people bring up their accomplishments. She lives at home, and sadly, she hasn't much going on in the accomplishment area. Her birthday just passed, which we did celebrate, but that is not the same as getting dinner or something for an accomplishment. I know it is rough for her. The issue was when she came up to me and told me she wanted a celebration dinner. I asked what for, and she didn't give me an answer. I told her we were only doing a celebration dinner when she has something to celebrate. This started an argument where she thinks I'm not being fair and everyone else is getting celebrated. I told her it is fair and she will get celebrated when she has an accomplishment. She called me a jerk and my oldest thinks I should just give in and give her a dinner for anything. Um, Candy Thunder's got some notes here. Candy Thunder's notes are, I agree with OP that the celebration dinner should be to celebrate an accomplishment because otherwise it takes away from the accomplishments of others. But... I think you could also just ask your daughter to dinner, just the two of you. Make her feel seen and encourage her, ask her about her goals, offer support to help her achieve her goals. Maybe she feels like she's spinning her wheels and needs some help to start the process. I understand that she's an adult, but she never stops being a child and needing her mom, giving her a kind shove to accomplish something. If our girls were feeling this way, this is how I would handle the situation. Uh, the The daughter in this case is 20. And I mean, take yourself, I think you really have to take yourself back to when you were 20 and think about, you know, what would have been most helpful to you. Now, I think where where the 20 year old daughter screwed up here was asking for a celebration dinner. If she actually walked up to OP, her parent and said, I want a celebration dinner, too. Then, yeah, you have to explain that there is a distinction because the celebration dinner is when there is something to celebrate. Thus, the name. But if she came up and said, hey, I'd like to go to dinner, too, and OP just automatically labeled it celebration dinner because everybody else was getting it, getting that at that time, there's an assumption made on their part on their part that is harmful. And I do agree with Candy Thunder here. Being stuck is not easy. Being stuck, especially when you see everybody else accomplishing things around you. I'm sure that's a very, very difficult thing to go through. And if you're being a lighthouse to your child and trying to offer them guidance there is a really good opportunity there to say, hey, you know what? Let's go. Let's go have a solo dinner and just talk and just talk about what's going on in your life right now. And just whatever you want to talk about. Making them feel seen is a big deal. And at 20, 20 is a very pivotal time. She's dropped out of college. She's not sure what she wants to do. And I think that's OK. I think it's OK to not know what you want to do. I don't think I knew what I wanted to do even after graduating college until I was 30. And that was when I had tried enough different things. I mean, shit, I worked in, <laughs> I worked in the state capital. I worked in a microbiology lab and then I got started in advertising and in advertising sales. I sucked and hated life. But then I had a manager who was kind enough to connect me with, with an ad agency that could potentially use some help and got a taste of that world and was like, I was born for this. But it took all of those failed experiments to get to the one thing that I liked. And I think even who the hell knows what they want to do in life at 18, 20 years old. You may have an idea of what you think you should do. And that's where you get your training. And that's where you focus your time and your efforts. But what if you change your mind? It's okay not to know. It's okay not to have anything to accomplish right now because 
you only accomplish things when you're on some kind of path, right? When you're on some kind of journey, finding the path is a very, very important part of life. And I would want to be actively involved in that. And if she's reaching out for help, if she's reaching out in frustration, it's a damn good time to take time and make time for her. I would still reinforce this is not a celebration. We'll celebrate something when we have something to celebrate. But this is a this is an exploratory dinner. This is this is a you time dinner. And let's see how that goes. Your conversation with food. There you go. It's time. It's just it's time spending time with someone, making time for someone whenever they feel like they're not being seen or everybody else like time is being made for everybody else. It doesn't make her less important to you. But again, if she walked up and said, I want a celebration dinner, we well, don't just get that. This, this isn't you don't get a participation trophy. You don't get the celebration dinner without having something to celebrate. It's just dinner. But this is a very, very important time in your daughter's life. And I think taking the time and making the time is a really damn good idea and could be really beneficial to at least understand where she's at, because you might have no idea, you might have no idea right now what your kid's thinking. And where they're at and what they want in life and where their passions are. I think one of the most important things that we can do as, as parents is, is help, help incentivize them. Maybe not incentivize, but encourage them to follow what they're really passionate about. Because anybody can go to school to become XYZ, but you could be miserable doing those things. I think experimenting with doing a lot of different things in life until you find something that you feel like you were born to do and you're good at naturally and you have a lot of passion for is probably the most important step you can take. I'd say don't start running full steam at something until you know what you're running at and you're and you want it until you're happy to head that direction. I didn't and I felt pretty lost until I was 30. Seriously. But then finally, I was like, oh, damn, I feel like I was born for this full steam ahead and still do that. I still run full steam ahead at that. But in the meantime, started a TikTok channel and uh, and was like, you know what? I feel like I was born for this, too. So I'm going to run at that, too. And then started writing some fiction stuff and was like, damn, I feel like I was born for this. too. So I run at that, too. It doesn't matter. Find something you're passionate about before you start running at it. That's my point. And right now, if your daughter is 20 years old and is kind of like, I don't have any idea what I want to do. Let's talk about what you have fun doing. Let's talk about what you're passionate about. What are your hobbies? What do you do when you have the choice to spend time doing something? Let's see if there's a path there. Am I the astronaut for forcing my son to sell the car he is inheriting? This didn't happen yet, but my whole family is fighting over this. I'll try to make this as short as possible. My father passed away in December. He owned a classic car. I believe it's a 50s Chevy Bel Air. My son, 17, is the only grandson he had. I have one sister who has two daughters, and I have two daughters along with my son. So, there are five grandkids in total. My dad was never much of a girl's guy. He always got along with the boys more than the girls. He and my son were very close. He has left the car to my son in his will. The rest of the grandkids got $4,000 each. The vehicle is valued at $70,000. My sister is livid. I am very unhappy as well. It's just blatantly unfair to his four other grandkids. I don't understand the legality of the situation because it was left to him, but he is currently underage. The car is currently held at my mom's house. I don't know how to force him to sell it, but I think that is what should happen. And the money can be divided equally amongst the grandkids. That's the way it should be. My son is very upset about this. He says grandpa left him the car, so it's his car. I have money saved for his college. I am almost considering telling him that his college money will be divided up amongst his sister and cousins if he refuses to sell the car. Am I the astronaut? Yeah, boy, I have thoughts, but we have some we have some relevant comments here. OP mentioned in the comments that her son wants to keep the car, that it isn't about money to him. He doesn't want to sell it. It's about what the car meant to him and his grandfather. OP also mentioned that the kids were left $6,000 each. Oh, so it's different now. OP comment for additional information. My husband thinks we should leave everything as is, but maybe speak to my mother about leaving more to the girls than to him when she passes. 
This is where most of the money is since she has my dad's estate. There were some things passed down after he died, like the car, some money for my sister and I, plus the grandkids. I think this is a good way to go about it. Comment number one, you will be the asshole. You're asking the wrong question here. You need to ask yourself, do you intend to honor your father's last wishes about his property or not? Sure, it seems like an unfair situation all around, but forcing him to sell it would certainly damage your relationship with your son. Is it worth doing that? This could also open you up to legal action. OP, think carefully about trying this. I do not recommend it. You seem so concerned with being fair to your daughters and nieces, but you don't seem at all concerned with being fair to your son. How is it fair to basically rob him of his rightful and legal inheritance or to threaten his college fund? Comment number two, your son might be wondering why you don't love him. And that's a given. Opie is willing and allowing four adults to bully him. And one of those adults is her. This whole protecting your child thing isn't happening. He's lost someone he was close to. And instead of being allowed to grieve, he's having to deal with his mother, his aunt, his aunt's husband, and his adult sister, and potentially other adult sister and cousins bullying him. He's still a child. Like, geez, what a shit show of toxicity and greed on display. None of them seem to have any care at all for the fact that their dad slash grandfather died. It's all just about the money wowza um the question is am i the astronaut for forcing my son to sell the car that he is inheriting yes you definitely will be (sighs) i i understand why op is thinking the way that they're thinking but (laughs) but not once in there did they themselves mention yes this goes directly against my father's last wishes Yes, I understand this is like stealing from him. I understand. I understand that this is uh, this is like a like a a case of redistribution of, of wealth within a family. And that is so dangerous because how old are the other kids? I have one sister who has two daughters and I have two daughters along with my son. So there are five grandkids total. The son is 17. We don't know how old the other kids are. Um, but we can assume they're around the same age. So for argument's sake, we'll, we'll assume that they're around the same age here. Um, good gravy. I mean, my, my gut tells me to take it, take it to one. Um, but, but I'm going to stick here. It will be, it will be a stupid, stupid thing to do. I, I understand that they think this is a Kobayashi Maru right now, right? They think that if they, if they just allow it to, to stick the way that it is, that they are, they're going to be a giant asshole to, to the rest of their kids and the rest of their kids are going to get mad at them at some point here. You know what? F- that. We're going to one. We're going out to one because this isn't your decision to make OP. It's not your decision. It is not your decision. And if you want to go and talk to grandma about making it right whenever she passes, like what a shitty conversation. If you come up to my ass after my partner has passed, I'm still grieving. And you're like, hey, uh, we just want to go ahead and plan on you leaving these other kids more whenever you die, Um, because we feel like we feel like he got more right now. And we want to balance out the equation when you die, because, you know, your partner just died. So when you die, we want to make this right. Bunch of assholes. Like, what the hell, man? What the hell? Okay, so so grandfather was closer to to this one individual son. He's the only boy. Um, And yeah, it'd be great in a perfect world if everybody got everybody got the same value of things. But this wasn't about the monetary value to him and to grandpa. This wasn't about the monetary value. This was about sentimental value. They have translated it into monetary value and they're trying to distribute evenly amongst everyone. It is not your decision to make. And if you end up trying to do something, you're probably going to get yourself into legal trouble. It's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous game. I know that you think that this is a Kobayashi Maru and there is no win in this scenario. The first thing that you have to understand, OP, is that you don't have control of this scenario. You don't get to change this scenario at all. And I still think going and talking to grandma right now about fixing it whenever she passes would be an even bigger asshole move. That's also not your decision. And unfortunately, I think we see we see so many people whenever whenever parents or grandparents are getting later in life, like start to start to play the freaking game of Thrones for percentage of inheritance. I hope I go before I ever get to that point. 
I don't want to see that shit. I don't want to see my kids turn against each other and start playing Game of Thrones for freaking inherit. Not that I'll have anything to leave them, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it brings out the ugliest side of people. Shit. <sighs> yeah. Candy or talk, talk about uh, punishing him by, by distributing his college fund. Cool. Five, 10 years later, I, I can't understand why my son doesn't talk to me anymore. Gee, I wonder. This one is from the AITA subreddit as well and is titled, Am I the astronaut for telling my mom we don't view her eldest as our brother and she needs to stop forcing him on us? All right, here we go. I, 28 male, I'm the youngest of three. Though if you ask my mother, she'd say four. Prior to my eldest brother Christopher's birth, my parents had another baby that was stillborn. His name was James. My parents consistently talked about him. He was included in family portraits where one of us held the only picture we have of him, Christmas cards, etc. He was mentioned at every single big event. My brothers and I have tried to tell our parents that we are uncomfortable with the picture and it's morbid to us, as well as we don't want it included all the time. My mom always insists and tells us that James is family. She also gets upset if I refer to Christopher as my eldest brother or if, if one of us says that we have two brothers. We've tried to explain that we were born after James and don't have the attachment she does. This has led to several arguments and usually it isn't worth it. So we just give in and say, fine, she can bring the photo and talk about James there. Christopher is getting married. After talking with his fiance, Lily, they both said the picture cannot come. They said they'll include James in the program alongside Lily's grandmother, who passed as a sort of guest we are thinking about on this special day. But there will be no detailed essay that our mom usually includes on the holiday cards to memorialize James. She got very upset by both things and called them insensitive. They are sticking to their guns. My mom was venting to me, and I told her I agreed with Christopher and Lily. I said that James isn't here. We have no connection to him, and she can't keep shoehorning him in. You know how many people are probably too young to know what a shoehorn is? That needs to be a test. That needs to be a piece of content. Let's figure out how many young people know what the heck a shoehorn is. She can't expect us to make everything about him. That obviously... She won't be over James's death, but it's time to stop making him front and center. I also added that none of us view James as our brother. She began to cry and left. My dad is angry with me beyond belief, as are some of our other family members. My brothers are on my side, but I need some unbiased perspective. Am I the astronaut? Before we get into some of the top comments here, top comment here is NTA. Your parents needed therapy to deal with this about 30 years ago. Of course, losing James was very hard to them. A stillbirth is very sad, but this kind of enduring clinging to that is not normal or healthy. If they wanted to do something to remember him on his birthday, okay, maybe, but not at every occasion when none of you siblings ever knew him. Keep sticking up for Christopher and Lily because their wedding is their day and it's supposed to be happy. It does not need an outsized and awkwardly sad reminder of a lost baby. Maybe you and all your brothers need to stage some kind of intervention with your parents after the wedding, perhaps, and talk to them about getting a therapist. You love them and care about their pain, but they can't keep forcing this in every Christmas, every wedding, the eventual births of grandchildren, etc. Another comment here, if I was his fiance, I wouldn't want someone showing people pictures of a dead baby at my wedding. I wouldn't want pictures of a dead baby I have no attachment to in my wedding album. I wouldn't want someone at my wedding carrying on a conversation about dead babies. Why does his mom's huge life event have to be involved in her son's big life event? That's a sign that she's not properly processing the loss and needs professional help. The suggestion of not bringing a picture of a dead baby to someone's wedding wasn't a betrayal. It was just a considerate thing to do. You don't wear white to a wedding. You don't propose to someone at a wedding. And not unless you're a uh, Subject of a Reddit story. And you don't impose your trauma on other guests at the wedding. I think that last line was is what really seals the deal here. You don't impose your trauma on others. Enforcing your trauma on other people is, is a no-no, right? This is also really tough. I've never been through this. I don't know. I'm sure there's there's a way that you're supposed to process this. And I'm also sure that 30 years ago, the way that society said this is how you handle this was way different than it is now. Now, I'm sure there's an immediate trigger uh, where people are encouraged to to start in counseling. And maybe 30 years ago, there wasn't. Maybe maybe the the cultural view on that or counseling or therapy was was I'm sure it was different then. 
But I'm sure this was very, very tough for them. I can't imagine. I can't imagine forcing this on our kids. I can't imagine forcing someone that they, you know, had no connection with. And and of course, you know, the, the memory would still be there. There would still be, you know, a section of the house that 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 was a shrine that n- never changed. But forcing it to be a part of their life events is I mean, at that point, you have to ask yourself, like, is, is that warranted? Is it warranted? I think, you know, if if mom here wants to carry around a small picture of James in her purse all the time so that so that, you know, that can be symbolically bringing James with her to all these events. That's a her thing. And that's the difference is this is a her thing. I think dad, I don't know this, but I get the inkling that dad is is for whatever upsets her the least, which we see a lot of spouses do. This is a her thing. It feels like. And she needs to figure out a way that she can be okay with this without forcing it on other people. And that's kind of a general rule for life, right? Like how how do you how do you process this and how do you deal with this without outwardly affecting everyone around you all the time? You've got to find a way. It's been 30 years. There's got to be a way that doesn't make your children. What's the word I'm looking for? Resent you. There's got to be a way to process this and to deal with this and to cope with this on a daily basis that does not make your kids resent you. There you go. Uh, Candy Thunder here says the grief never leaves, but you cannot let it define your life. And OP has beyond that. OP is letting it define the lives of her children. And at what point do you go? Wow, maybe that's too far. Probably here. Pain creates change, right? So so the amount of pain that she's going through right now because somebody finally stood up and said no. No, we're not going to do this. That's the pain that maybe it's going to take to be able to change things. But it's been 30 years. You know, like, yeah, how long is it going to take to break a habit that has been in place for 30 years? It's going to take some time and maybe some understanding on the kids part here to say, OK, like we get it. It's going to take some time for you to phase out of that. But let's let's start the process. It's time. It is time. Respecting respecting her and her grief is one thing. When people are forcing their trauma on others outwardly, that's when it's a problem. And they have kept their mouth shut for 30 years and finally stood up because a wedding is coming up and said, and said, we're, we're not comfortable with that. And still her finding a way to, to deal with it herself. And if she wants to bring the picture with her, cool. Like that's, she needs a way that she can, that she can honor what she wants to honor without forcing that on to everyone else. And that's all that's been talking about here. It's not it's not that that her her grief isn't justified. It's the coping mechanism and forcing others to join in on that coping mechanism that is not warranted. It's her kids and her kids are going to end up resenting her for it. Not because it's wrong, because she's forcing it onto their lives and she's forcing something into their lives that makes them uncomfortable. She's got to find a way to deal with this that does not make her children uncomfortable. So they end up resenting her and then she doesn't have a relationship with them. It will end up costing her relationships with her kids. And I don't think that's what she wants. Title of this story from the AITA subreddit is Am I the Astronaut for Asking for Custody for My Youngest Only? This one makes me feel like a salty slug. I, 50 male, and my wife, 46 female, have two daughters. My eldest, 12, is more picky, less playful, and I fail to really connect with her. Her little sister is nine and more helpful and loving, although she can be more naughty at times. I love both girls equally, but I like the nine-year-old more. I don't know how I feel about that, but I feel like I need to press the red flag button. Like, I don't. Since me and my wife are getting a divorce, we have been asking them which parent they would prefer to stay with. The 12-year-old is happy with both, but would prefer to stay with a different parent than her sister, while the 9-year-old has no preference. Hold up. 12-year-old is happy with both, but would prefer to stay with a different parent than her sister. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. She wants to separate from her sister. I explicitly asked my wife, the girls don't know that, if I can get custody of the 9-year-old only. This way, everyone is happy as the 12-year-old doesn't need to stay with her sister. My wife called me an asshole for having a preference like this, but personally, I think I'm making a decision based on everyone's best interests. Yes, still salty slug. Got a Nick Miller out of this one. 
Uh, top comment here is you're the asshole. Kids aren't toys. You don't get to just choose the one you like and forget about the other. That is a living child. One that is going to hate you for life for even suggesting such a thing. And I agree with that. I think, uh, I mean, understanding that you have maybe a more stable connection with one kid is one thing, but saying, you know, really, I just want to, I just want to parent this one is a whole nother level of favoritism. And yeah, the 12 year old saying that she wants to stay somewhere that's not with her sister is taken into account here. Um, and maybe, maybe OP was thinking that this was the thing that works out for everybody, but actually letting your mouth say those words to another human being, let alone the person you're divorcing and going to be entering custody negotiations with not the best move, not the smartest move here, not the smart. I, I think you were coming from a good place, but maybe this, this is one of those things that like, it's okay to think, but never to say. Because if you're evaluating this whole situation and trying to figure out what's best for everybody, recognizing that you have a better relationship with your nine-year-old does not mean that you can just say, uh, hey, I just want to take that one. You're not picking dodgeball teams. You say you love them both equally, but you like a nine-year-old more. I don't like that sentence right there just just hits me way, way, way wrong here. Uh, uh And if your 12-year-old ever finds this out, you're right. Uh, or your your ex is right they're gonna hate you or the commenter is right you're gonna she's gonna hate you for life this is something that i i think although you might have had a good place at the core of this the execution ended up being a really shitty thing a really shitty thing i can't imagine i, I can't i can't imagine the proper response to this should have been i love my daughters both and i want to spend as much time as possible with both of them, recognizing that our 12 year old doesn't want to be where the nine year old is. Why don't we figure out a 50, 50 rotating schedule where we have them equal amounts of time and, and they're switching like a week on week off. If they live in the same area or some kind of 50, 50 approach where you get to have time with both, but they don't have to be together because the 12 year old doesn't want that. And maybe that's better anyway. It'd be interesting to know or to, to hear what the nine-year-old thinks about spending time with the 12-year-old. Because if this is just a 12-year-old girl thinking, um, thinking, oh, she's annoying because she's a preteen now. The 12-year-old is a preteen. They get into this like little humans annoying me kind of phase. That's possible. There could be a lot of reasons for that. She could outgrow this. What does the nine-year-old think? At the core of it, though, asking for just one is a really, really, really stupid move. Really stupid, but and if she ever finds out about this, she's gonna hate you. It still it just gives me a salty slug kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about, the salty slug thing. Um Am I the astronaut for refusing to share my vacation home with my in-laws for six months after they sold their house without consulting me? I can't wait. Background, my husband, 35 male, and I, 33 female, have been married for five years. We own a beautiful vacation home on the beach that we built ourselves and used throughout the year. My in-laws, in their 60s, have always been welcome guests visiting for a few weeks here and there and contributing financially towards maintenance costs. Last month, my in-laws suddenly announced that they were selling their house to downsize and move into a tiny condo. Apparently, they've been secretly harboring this idea for months, never mentioning it to me or my husband. They plan to close on the sale in two weeks and then move into our vacation home for six months while they figure things out. I was floored. This house is our sanctuary, not a retirement home extension. We use it frequently, have friends and family booked to visit throughout the year, and rely on the income it generates during peak season. My in-laws, on the other hand, haven't lifted a finger on the property themselves and contributed only minimally. My husband, bless his sweetheart, is more understanding. He feels bad for his parents and believes we can make it work. His in-laws, sensing my resistance, are now guilt-tripping us, claiming they have nowhere else to go and offering to pay significantly more than their usual contribution. Am I the astronaut for refusing to let them move in? On one hand, I feel obligated to help family in need, but on the other, this feels like an outrageous imposition on our personal space and finances. 
edited to add an update as it'll likely get lost down in the comments. I'll give you a quick update while I wait to get the kids from school and answer a few questions I saw pop up. We co-own the beach house. We bought it in 2020 when interest rates were super low before houses skyrocketed. The in-laws have helped us with the projects and pay for a few things, but so do my parents. So we never thought of their contribution as anything but help from parents. They had their annual Old Farts Christmas party, their words not mine, there this past December and had the place for a week free of charge for them and all of their guests. So they definitely have gotten plenty use out of it. We had a come to Jesus moment yesterday and I was the asshole to my husband. I told him I was done and I wasn't even entertaining them staying there as it's our business and this is bad business. I basically told him I was over his mom, and it was at the point that I'm about to peace out because I can't handle her shit anymore. Previous to this, I was no contact with her and would entertain them when they'd come to visit. They never stayed at our house as we live relatively close to them. He still has no clue if they're truly selling their house, if they're upside on bills, or they're just assholes, but I honestly don't care. My parents are immigrants and own a restaurant and have worked their asses off to create a fantastic life for me and my siblings. They also taught us the value of money and working hard for the things that we have. The vacation home was bought cheap, but 90% of the renovations were done by me during my free time. Renovations are my true love. Nursing pays the bills. I love it too, but it doesn't fill up the creative cup. I told him he'd lose the house to his parents over my dead body. And if he feels the need to financially set them up, he can do so with the extra money he earns from picking up shifts. Also a nurse. Basically, I told him their failure was not an emergency on my part. They have always kept up with the Joneses and spent exorbitantly. So they might be broke again and I don't care. I have barely tolerated his mom for the past few years. I'll be cordial because I was raised well, but I'm over-tolerating their nonsense. I will say, he does see all this crap she pulls, but he was raised that mom knows best. He's Puerto Rican, so this is partially cultural. But I'm done. I worked yesterday and busted my ass and then drove the kids to the beach house last night and picked up dinner. And we are there, and I just thought, no. So time will tell, but he called his parents and on speakerphone told them they couldn't stay, but the offer to condo hunt is still open, but he needs to know the price range and all of that jazz. His mom cried and I flipped the phone off. So as of this moment, it's not happening. I also told him if it's a problem, he can quit claim deed the beach house and I'll cover the expenses and manage it myself because mama don't play. Damn. Um, uh, we have comments. Let's dive into some comments. Additional info from OP. On our first marriage anniversary, they gifted us a chicken. We lived in an apartment at the time. On Valentine's Day, the second year, they showed up at our house mid-afternoon because they thought it would be special to spend the night with us. On the birth of our daughter, my mother-in-law refused to leave the delivery room until I had a nurse drag her out, and then she sobbed obnoxiously loud in the hallway outside the room. When COVID happened, she ordered us cases and cases of beans and other canned food to help us prep for the apocalypse, and then sent us the bill. Beans are just soggy nuts. My mother-in-law demands all holidays with them and shows up unannounced to my parents who are four hours away each holiday we spend with them and forces us out of my bedroom and we sleep on the pull-out sofa the whole visit. My mother-in-law demanded my husband go to her house last year to fix something on our daughter's birthday and then kept him there till after the birthday party was over and then had a birthday party she planned for my daughter at her house the next day. Our second daughter's birth was similar where she sobbed and FaceTimed my husband since I refused to let her into the delivery room. She sent a mixed nuts package to my parents at Christmas last year. Knowing my dad is deathly allergic to tree nuts, I could go on and on and on. Okay, so mother-in-law is playing the game. The game of control. And OP slash mama isn't having it. In this specific instance, the question is, am I the astronaut for refusing to share my vacation home with my in-laws for six months after they sold their house without consulting me? Hell no. Hell no. They can't just expect you. Wow, that's moving real slow. Real jumpy there. They can't just expect you to just accommodate them. And and now the shitty part is now it's a now it's a matter of well, they have an extra house. They won't even let us stay in their extra house and it's an emergency. It's not an emergency. You decided to sell your house without a plan. And it's not an extra house. It's a business. They generate income off of this house. Now, they said that they were willing to contribute significantly more. And I don't want to lose that in all of this analysis because, as OP says, 
there are two sides to this, right? There's the financial side of it, and there's the personal boundary side of it. If they're willing to contribute significantly more, that could negate the financial side of this. If they're willing to pay what patrons pay when you Airbnb this or VRBO or whatever you do, I can't imagine they'd be willing to pay that. But if they're willing to essentially cover what your opportunity cost for not having it available for that, then it does negate that side of it. The boundary side of it still very much exists. And as you detailed throughout all of the other examples here, it is a very, very predefined problem. So here is his grandma's play to be like, I'm going to see how much control we can really have. And angel makes a comment here and says they won't move out. They won't. They won't. Freckles, uh, you say your issue is that they co-own, they co-own husband and wife, not like, not with, not with the parents, not with either set of the parents, husband and wife co-own. And she said that he could quit claim deed it if, if he didn't want to be the one that said no, if he wanted to wash his hands of the whole thing, he could quit claim deed it. They, she would handle it herself. So she's offering to release him from the obligation of being tied to the house at all, tied to making decisions. But this is one of those things where it is letting this happen requires two yeses. If you don't have two yeses, you have a no. You have one yes and one no. Or you have one, I think we can find a way to make it work, and one no. So that's a no. If you don't have two yeses, you have a no. That's the end of it. You're not an asshole for saying no. If somebody's like, hey, uh, I'm going to come take over your business for six months. It's not going to make any money. I just, I need it. You'd be like, hell no. Hell no. You don't, without talking to me ahead of time, you're just assuming that I'm going to let you do that. She assumed that she could control her son enough for him to stand up to his wife and say, no, this is happening and let her into the place. And then the tiny condo that they plan on moving to is your vacation home and they would never leave. Hell no. You're not the asshole. For saying hell no. I don't even think if you had a written agreement and got them to sign it and and it said that they were going to pay X amount and it was like a formal thing. I still don't think I'd do it because she would be counting on being able to puppeteer her son enough to get him to be okay with them breaking that. You cannot trust her to not try to take advantage of you because it's happened up teen times before. There is precedent for you to feel like she's going to try to take advantage of you. Am I the Askinoff for giving my sister-in-law three days notice that I would no longer make a cake for her daughter's third birthday after finding out that she and her parents told others my history? I, 28 female, love to bake, and I will often make cakes and stuff for friends, and since I met my in-laws in 2018, for them as well. My sister-in-law asked me to bake her daughter's birthday cake for her birthday this weekend. This was back in October, and we discussed what she wanted in detail. It's not my first time making her cakes, but it is my first time as her sister-in-law officially, and where I felt like I was truly part of the family. Three days ago, I was at, out grocery shopping, and I ran into a family friend of my in-laws. This person is not someone I like very much. She's a bad gossip and seems to have some malice in her while sharing gossip about others. I try to be polite to everyone, and normally I don't talk to her. But she stopped me and went out of her way to ask me when my husband and I are having kids. Then she mentioned me being a foster kid and an affair baby, and she did it in a way that was meant to come across as actual concern, but was really her being intrusive and cruel. She mentioned that my in-laws and sister-in-law were concerned about our kids not having anyone. I told my husband when he got home from work, and I was a mess. It might seem dumb, but I felt like his family betrayed me. They betrayed the trust I put in them, and they did the one thing they were asked not to do, which was tell people my history. It's not something I want to broadcast to everyone who knows me. My husband confronted his parents and sister, and they said they only mentioned it to a few close circle people and that they defended it when my husband said that wasn't okay. Sister-in-law said it's not like people wouldn't find out eventually, and he asked her how they would have found out if we never told them. My history is that both parents were married to others and had children with their other spouses when they had an affair. I was the result. Both sets of first children were technically adults or close to it when I was born. The day before my fifth birthday, we were in the car together and it crashed. 
My parents died, and so did the people in the other car. I was the only survivor, and I was in the hospital for a few weeks after. Nobody in either of my parents' families wanted me, and I was brought up in foster care the rest of my life. I never found a family. After hearing sister-in-law say what she did and realize how unapologetic they were and hearing how little they cared about what they did to me, I asked if I could speak to sister-in-law for a second and told her not to expect a cake from me after going against what I wanted and having such little care for the harm it caused. She went crazy and said it was only three days until the birthday party, and my husband backed me up and said, so what? She and their parents were blowing up his phone so badly he had to block them, and I worry that I'm being a bit of an asshole by saying no with such short notice. Am I the astronaut? OP. NTA. Sister-in-law, specifically, ask on one. This is a truly terrible, evil, evil thing to do to someone. To have no regard... For them as a person at all. And this is the best part. This is the best part. I freaking love it. The best part is it is like, I'm going to treat this person like shit. And then ask them for a favor. Of course. Because that's how this kind of person works, right? And then whenever she realizes that this person has boundaries. Oh, I thought you were just a broken little piece of shit. I'm sorry. I I thought I could just treat you however. And you would still do things for me. Because that's how I was brought up. Whenever OP has boundaries and is like, I'm not doing you a favor since you treated me like shit and ignored my boundaries, then she's flipping out and pretending to be the victim here. That's the game, right? That's the, I love it. I love it when people think that they can treat people like garbage and then still ask them to do favors for them. It's one of my favorite things in life. Love it. It is such an immediate indicator of how big of a turd you're dealing with, right? I mean... She's not just a piece of shit. She's a pretty big piece of shit. Pretty big piece of shit. Thank goodness hubby backed you up here. Because I can't imagine. No wonder OP has issues with telling people about her history, right? I mean, at this point, I think it would just make something up and have that be the story that you tell everybody. Because you can't trust people. Because sister-in-law here used it. She weaponized it and broadcast it out there to the exact kind of people you shouldn't be broadcasting it to, to this shitty gossip, gossip girl who shows up at the grocery store and is like, mm, hey, I just want to let you know that I know your shit. I'm concerned, but not really concerned. I just want you to know that I know your shit. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be OK, hon? You know, because of all the really bad shit that happened to you that I'm not supposed to know about that I know about now. Mm. All of them. Boop, 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 the whole family gone. Uh, I think I would be raising some walls immediately with the family. I think it seems like OP's partner here is willing to do that as well uh, because he realizes how fucked up it is too. That is the fact that you have somebody like that in your life that will stand by you even against their own family when they know that you've been wrong is huge. OP celebrate that, that you have this person um, and silo yourself if necessary, because people who do, who cause harm, when in close proximity to you relationship wise, don't get to enjoy that proximity anymore. We talk about this with our kids too. We're like, Hey, Hey, hey. <laughs> if you're close with someone and they harm you, if they abuse that proximity, why would you still give them proximity? Why would you still give them the ability to do damage? If they've shown you that they're willing to do damage, those people don't get to be close to you anymore. Boop. Certainly not close enough to ask you for favors like making a cake. And yeah, it sucks that it's a three-year-old's birthday party and it sucks that it's a cake. But sister-in-law should have thought all about all that shit before treating someone this poorly. And she can't say shit about it now because it is her own doing. Yeah, maybe this is enough pain for her to change her ways. I highly doubt it. So what would it have to be? Am I the astronaut for not wanting to go back home to take care of my sick mom after her and her boyfriend kicked me out the day after my high school graduation last year? It was the day after graduation when my mom and her boyfriend told me that now I was an adult. I had to move out and find a place of my own. Although it was unexpected, 
My mom and I's relationship changed drastically when her new boyfriend moved in. I tried to make a good impression because I wanted her to be happy, but the guy just seemed to have an issue with me. He convinced my mom to start charging me rent because I had a part-time job while still in school, even though he was jobless and living off my mom. Boop. He would go into my room, go through my stuff, and use some of my things without permission. He even broke my laptop after using it without asking, but my mom saw nothing wrong with his behavior and always took his side. She would yell at me whenever I complained about how I didn't like him invading my privacy. He seemed very pleased with himself when my mom kicked me out. I don't have enough to get a place, so I survived by sleeping on friends' couches and made as much as I could until they got tired of me and I had to sleep outside at times. Thankfully, I was able to get a second job through someone I knew and I was able to save up and I just moved into a new place at the beginning of this month after a few months of not having anywhere to call home. A few days ago, my mom's boyfriend reached out to me. Apparently, my mom had a stroke and he tried guilting me into moving back to help her out because he got a job opportunity and has to move. I declined and told him that unfortunately, I'm too busy trying to be an adult. It doesn't look like I can take that time off the schedule to do that. And then I hung up. Okay, so the question is, am I the astronaut for not wanting to go back home and take care of my sick mom after she and her boyfriend kicked me out the day after graduation last year? Um, here, I this sucks, right? Obviously, mom was taken advantage of. Obviously, she was manipulated. She allowed herself to be manipulated and to create a chasm between her and her child. She is a huge asshole for that. Boyfriend is the master manipulator asshole here, right? He just he he had a sugar mama and wanted to charge you rent because that was more more ammo for his sugar mama. And then wanted to get rid of you so he could have more space to do whatever the hell he wanted to do. Now, when things get tough, he's gone. Not No surprise there. No surprise at all. Now the question is, OP, now that he's gone, he's out of the picture. His mother is not going to be manipulated by him anymore. Like, Is that pre-boyfriend relationship you had with your, your mother enough to, to pull you back in, enough to reestablish a relationship with her and... Uh, and give her an opportunity to rebuild that bridge to make up for the terrible, terrible thing that she did to you. Is it worth that? Hey, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that much about post stroke, like a stroke recovery. I don't know how, I don't know how, how debilitating that is. If Opie moved back and helped, helped her mend. And then she got another boyfriend who moved in and wanted to kick him out. She'd do the same thing. She allowed herself she allowed herself to be manipulated to the point of it harming her child. That sucks. I, there's probably no coming back from that. Is is recovering from a stroke? I'd say just average, an average stroke. Like there's a thing, but uh, is it something that she can recover from on her own? It completely depends on severity. Okay. Um, Could have, should have, would have. Yeah, I agree with that. So the boyfriend reaching out is not the thing. That's not the thing that's going to start rebuilding a bridge. It'd have to be mom that reached out. But then I'm asking, then I'm wondering, you know, is mom even able to reach out and ask for help right now? Needs help more often than not. Angel, yeah. And this is a proximity thing. This is it. at my core. I'm like, no, she she did a terrible thing to her child uh, in in my position. I'd like to say that I would not allow someone that proximity to do harm again. But then I'm also thinking. How likely is it that because this is this is his mom, his or her mom, and uh, and it seems like it was only like this whenever the boyfriend came to the picture. If he's leaving, is OP going to be likely to feel guilt about this and to get sucked back into it? Not that I think that that's what he should do, but I'm, I'm wondering how capable mom is going to be to reach out and and start mending this fence is she going to be able to to start making this right because otherwise she's completely alone right now and i'm sure that sucks it's not op's responsibility and you're right the she abused her proximity and treated him badly and he went and started living a life on his own and the fact that he was couch surfing for a while to survive and it doesn't seem like she reached out or cared at all during that time means that she's lost her she can't expect him to come back and take care of her now. She cannot expect that. The boyfriend did for some reason. He's like, yo, I'm dipping. I just thought, you know, somebody might want to come take care of her. It's tough. So uh, she can't be my sugar mama right now. So I'm out. It's a, it's a shitty, shitty situation. 
It would be tough. I would have some guilt. I would have some guilt because I'd, I'd be like, you know, that, that was my mom for, and she was great or at least good for so long until this douche cannot came into the, the picture and now he's gone. Maybe it could be good again, but she did this terrible thing and she's got to make up for that before they're ever before there is ever that chance for them to have a relationship again. And I don't know what her ability to do that is going to be. Regardless, he's NTA for saying no. He's not the asshole. He has no, he's not beholden to do that at all. I hope that mom now realizes how stupid she was and starts reaching out and making up for it. That's my hope. I would hope. But he's NTA for saying no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D agreed. I mean, she was being so manipulated, manipulated by the boyfriend that she didn't care that her child was homeless. There's a lot of making up for it to do. The OP is 100% NTA. 100%. Sucks. It is a sucky, sucky thing. The title was, am I the astronaut for not wanting to go back home to take care of my sick mom after her and her boyfriend kicked me out the day after my high school graduation last year? Yeah. And OP was homeless for a while. So it's, it's harsh. It is, uh, she's ruined any chance she had of, of having a relationship with her child sans doing some kind of huge, huge work. Hey, Dusty Thunder here, and I wanted to thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that content, and if you did, please make sure to like, subscribe, and most importantly, share. Also, you can find swag and so much more at dusty-thunder.com, and you'll find even more content on all of our platforms. We're on TikTok, YouTube. We now have an official Facebook page that we'll be posting stories to as well. We have podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and so much more. You can see all of our content platforms on Linktree, which is linked in my bio. Engage with us wherever you're enjoying content and do your best to avoid the astronauts today. Thanks again.